1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mick Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mick Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go to like that. Like hey dude shoes. Light. Comfy, good to go to. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 3-0 loss to Manchester United at Craven Cottage on Saturday. We have a lot to get to talking about this very disappointing loss for Fulham, but before we do anything else, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? I'm I'm still not doing well. How are you?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's another
1: defeat in a season out of so many of them. But, you know, this one almost
0: feels different Russ. No one thought we'd win this game. Very few thought we'd tie. Most thought we'd lose, and we did lose. But it's the manner in which we lost, that's the big thing, and it's the manner in which the manager reacted to the loss. And his tactics, his motivation of the players, his alienization of last year's heroes, You know, in particular Ryan Session and Tom Kearney, that's what hurts the most for me, Ross, is that this seems like a manager... Who's out of sorts? Who's lost control? And almost seems to be lashing out, you know, without any reason, at you know an 18-year-old talent, at our former club captain, and he's really bringing the club down and and bringing a lot of our favorite players down with it, which is very sad to see.
1: It is Max, and um, I said this to Emilio on full time, and I want to see if you agree with me. Where's Fulham's identity? Because I don't see it. And, you know, listen, for whatever you thought about Savisa, if you thought Savisa needed to be replaced, I was one that wanted to keep Savisa. At least there was this identity. And there is no identity under Ranieri. And that's the part that bothers me. I I don't know who this team is. I think he wants them to be something that they're not because I keep seeing these comments about Nasty when it comes to Ryan Session. It, It gets me to think that he wants this team to be more physical, more direct. And I don't know if he has the players to do it. He doesn't. And if he
0: had any sense, he would have seen the second half against Brighton and connected the dots onto why we were so successful that half. We were on the front foot. We were attacking. We were playing to our strengths. Our strengths... We're passing the ball. Exactly, we're passing the ball. It's clearly not defending. Everyone knows we have the worst defense in the league. Yep. Probably that defense would be probably the 10th best defense in the championship. So it's a pretty terrible defense, and, and, and that's really not rocket science. We realize that. It's, it's, it's awful. So what do you do when you have a bad defense? Do you play five at the back and try to sit back and absorb pressure and invite those defenders to make mistakes, which you know they'll make and make and make and make again? No, you play in the front foot. You hide your weaknesses, Russ. And we did it against Brighton. When we're on the front foot and yeah. heading teams back in their own defensive half, your strengths? Exactly. Then we don't have the opportunity to make defensive mistakes as much, right? And when we pass, we can create goals, score goals, four goals in one half. Yes, it probably was an anomaly, but it was better than nothing. And any manager in any sense would have taken that game plan and said, listen, that's the best we've played probably ever since I took over here in November. Let's try that against Palace away. But instead, he reverted back to the exact same flawed, cagey, negative formation that's really just not panned out for us. I just really hold hard to believe we cannot play a back five anymore with the center back of Lamar, Sean, Reem, and Maybe if we had Moss, in it, it's a different story, but we don't. He's out. Well, and there's no leader back there. There's no leader, and all three of those players have a mistake in them and have multiple mistakes in them.
1: They all have uh, a Philip Senderos in them, as I would say. Because Cindeross <laughs> yeah, and- would make a mistake a game. Each one of these guys will, can make a mistake a game, and, and that's something Sendros you can't have in the Premier League.
0: Sendros is a bumbling fool, but I'd rather honestly almost have a bumbling fool who actually dies <laughs> in the challenges than someone like Lamar Marchand,
1: who is weak. That was his I, worst game. I mean, the toe
0: poke he had on Martial for when he just glided to goal. I mean, are you kidding me? That, that's a challenge yeah. you put in in a Premier League match? And then his bundling over of Matzah. For, for the penalties that led to the third goal. I mean, these things, you just can't explain. And and the odd thing is, Le Marchand, I probably if you asked me who's the best center half of the three, I probably would have said him.
1: Oh,
0: it's hey. him. <laughs> and he honestly played quite well. So you just need to realize that these players aren't necessarily terrible players. It's that they're not good enough for the Premier League. And it's it's not right. a knock on them. It's just they make mistakes. And when you're not up to the quality and the pace of, of, of the top flight, you're going to make errors. Yep. And you're going to make... A lot of them, and that's what that's what we do.
1: It's really bad to watch because when you talk about if you play a back three, right now it's Lamar Sean, Ream, and Adoy. And listen, Dennis Adoy is giving you everything that he has. He's not a Premier League player starter. He, he, maybe he can help you off of the bench. But he's not someone that should be starting each and every match. Tim Ream, love him. Again, he was fantastic in the championship. I just don't know if he's up for this. If if this is his level. And then you have Lamarchand that maybe, maybe can be in the same camp as a doy, someone that you, maybe you can use to fill in every once in a while. But then maybe he gets exposed when he's played regularly. And I think we're kind of seeing that, Max, especially when you're playing against a top six team like, like Manchester United. Maxine Lamarchand was completely, utterly exposed and it killed Fulham. And it really did. And in, in this match, it's not just about him. There, there really isn't a good performance to really talk about. It's funny because I do this uh, little blurb in the Daily Mail and uh, I have to give a star man. Do you know who I gave the star man to, Max? <laughs> I actually gave it to the phone supporters. Fair play. I didn't give a player because I didn't think there was a player worthy. And if there was someone that was worthy, it had to be the phone supporters. So I gave it to them. So if you see it in the Daily Mail, you're going to understand why. Because I didn't think any player deserved it. And the fans deserve a lot better. And I wanted to give them something. So that was just my little way of mentioning the uh, foam supporters who were very loud at Craven Cottage and uh, didn't deserve what they got, which was a, a terrible match. But listen, let's move on before we go and talk about this match and, and get into the starting 11 and the 18 overall. I want to just um read a, a excerpt from this article. I'm curious if you, recognize who wrote this, Max. It's actually entitled, Why Fulham Must Sack Claudio Ranieri. So I'm going to read this. (laughs) On Saturday afternoon, Fulham fell to a 3-0 defeat to Manchester United at Craven Cottage. Despite a bright opening five minutes from the Whites, Fulham's performance was categorized by a lack of fight and desire. The manager's questionable tactics, poor substitutions, and alienization of last year's promotion heroes all mean Claudio Ranieri must be sacked by Fulham before it's too late. In the build-up to the match, Ranieri had called on teenage sensation Ryan Sessegnon to be nastier and show more strength, which in his mind justified the decision to drop Sessegnon to the bench for the fourth consecutive Premier League match. However, Ranieri started the lethargic Andre Schurler, who failed to properly trap back in defense while leaving right-back Dennis Odoi exposed to all match okay there's a lot more to this article but I think that just gives you a taste of what the writer has to say and Max who's the writer of this article <laughs> oh it's a great piece great writing <laughs> you know that, that
0: that was me last last uh, last night and yeah it was it was a tough one to write you know because as I said on Twitter I had been an initial supporter of Renieri. I'd been someone who said this is something we need at Fulham this is a good appointment and I'm going out there and saying I was wrong, you know. A lot of
1: people are doing that now.
0: And, and it's fair because it's very clear he's not the right man for the job. Uh, I mentioned there, you know, the tactics, the decision-making with regards to Cessinion. And it's infuriating because I also saw on social media a really good point, which is the way Ranieri refers to Cessinion versus the way Jekanovic referred to him. Jekanovic would always say, listen, he, he's young, but he's a man. I see him as a player in my team just like anyone else. I treat him as an equal. Ranieri always seems to refer to him as a young boy who needs to improve, who's not nasty enough, who's not fit enough, who doesn't have the form as we just seen know after the match yesterday. Yeah. And it's just so counterproductive. I mean, it, it's, it's really baffling to see a manager degrade the confidence so publicly of one of his best assets and a player who no one can ever question his passion and desire for Fulham football club. That's the big thing, right? I think you can criticize Cessinon on failure for his form this season. because.
1: How about doing it privately and not doing it
0: publicly? Yeah. And it's been tougher than the dads to the Premier League. That's no secret. Yeah. But to question his nastiness, yeah. out of all the things you can criticize Sesson for, I would never say that because although he's not the biggest guy, I'd say, he's always someone who's going to run into a challenge. He actually, his low center of gravity gives him a lot of strength. We've seen him out-muscle players. We've seen him drift into positions and score goals because he has that instinct. Don't tell me Ryan testimony isn't nasty. I think that's just insulting to him and insulting to the fans. And if that's his justification for playing, oh the nasty, oh yeah, really known for going to the challenge and playing hard, Andre Sherla, or <laughs> you know, oh the really hard tackling and snappy Luciano Vietto.
1: Yeah. I mean, give me a break, Ranieri. That's just that's just a joke. That's farcical. Listen, I don't get it, Max, and that's why that stands out to what you wrote about because it it, it makes no sense to me. And I'm always one that I want to say about a player, say it to the player, don't make it public. The fact that this is not good at all in in my book, and also a strike against that manager for me, because I would rather him not, not do that because I think it also hurts the player with it being so public. This is a talented player that has an extremely bright future. We all know this. And, He should be playing. The fact that he hasn't started, I believe you wrote the last four matches, there's something wrong there. Apparently,
0: it was the last match. Yeah.
1: Okay. There's really something wrong there. Maybe he shouldn't be starting each and every match, but he should be much more involved than he is because it's Ranieri's job to get the most out of him. He's the coach. If he's not getting the most out of him, well, I think some of that goes to him and he wants him to be something that he's not more nasty. Come on, would you be saying that to Andre Sherlock? Would you be saying that to Luciano Vieto? In fact, Max, I'm going to go back to you because I was thinking about this this morning. If he's pointing at Ryan on to be more nasty, tell me the nasty players that are regularly playing for Fulham. I have two of them. I well, can me, think of me, me Alexander Mitrovic yeah. and Callum Chambers. Name me another player. <laughs> Name me yeah. another player that plays nasty.
0: Yeah, I, I, I that's a great point. We're lacking those players, and and that's that's a huge problem with the squad is that we don't have players who, you know, really play with aggression, right? Not to say they don't care, but they don't play with no, aggression. No, they care. And 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 to single out Cessiño out of the rest is is wholly unfair. And, and I think just it's almost like he has a personal agenda against him because Cessiño, well, right. He's he's going to leave Fulham at some point, and and it's going to be a sadness. But if this is really Sadly, I'm going to say, uh, this is what I believe, I see Cess- this is going to be Sesson's last season at Fulham. And it's because right. I, I really think if If he had a manager who respected him and believed in him and nurtured him as a young talent that he is and not treated him you know, in, in a condescending manner and, and, and was too harsh on him, I think, as well, then Sesson, I think, might have had a decision to make at the end of the year saying, listen, I think I should leave, but I really love the club and they treat me well. At, th- at the end of the year, it's going to be a no-brainer for him to leave, an absolute no-brainer.
1: And that's so sad. I totally agree with that. And listen, say what you want about Savisa, but Slavisa really got behind Ryan Sessignon and really brought him up and got him to a very nice level in the championship. And and he was playing in the Premier League as well. So I don't get this. And if Ranieri wants his players to play a certain style, I'm just going to say he, he does not have players. He has Savisa's players. He only has a few players of his own. So if he's got an issue with that, that he doesn't have the right players, then he can talk to the owners because they brought in three players and maybe they needed more to play in Ranieri style, but this is the team that he, and he's trying to change how they play. I get that. He wants them to play his way, but I keep going back to this max. I don't think that they can play the way he wants them to play because it's, it's going away from their strengths. It's, going so far away from it, and it becomes this mess on the pitch. They're not playing together, and I think a big part of it is that they're getting mixed messages from the manager, they're used to playing a certain way, and they cannot all get on the same page.
0: I, I, I just don't understand it. You're completely right, Russ. It's, it's, there's, to pick on out of all the players who don't who aren't nasty, right? Out of all the players he pick on Session, the player that clearly inspires the fans the most that whenever he's on the pitch, he makes something happen. I think, and honestly, it inspires confidence in the supporters. Those are really big intangibles right. that that you really you, you can't just downplay. And let's let's be honest. I, I really think if he started scoring goals, he got his confidence back. He'd be a real threat. Yeah. He's missed some big chances. We know that, but I think once a couple go in, in a couple matches, he gets his mojo back. Well, I think it and all he's changes. Different player.
1: Yeah, I, all I changes. totally agree with that. And I just think that there's no Regneri- chance right now. Wants it now. He is looking back at those missed chances and thinking, you know what? We can't do this. You know, I can't have this. I can't have this player that keeps missing these opportunities. He's 18 years old. You know, someone gave me this comparison to him that he's not finishing now, but if you look at Raheem Sterling at his age, he was probably very similar. And then as as a player, the goal started coming. It, I believe, will be the same thing for Ryan Sessignon and to single him out like this is just beyond and then of course the whole thing with Tom Kearney that drives me crazy playing him out of position trying to make him something that he's not play to these players strengths I'm not a coach I'm not there at training but he's not getting the most out of this squad he certainly is not and that's why I understand why you wrote what you wrote Max because it's infuriating watching this I feel bad for the foam supporters that are going to each and every match, the fans watching around the world. This is what we're watching. We're watching our club deteriorate in front of our faces. It's so sad to watch. But listen, I did a couple polls, and I just want to share you the results of them because I find them fascinating. And I got a little bit of a pushback on doing it because I think some people uh, believe that I'm feeding into the negativity here. And listen, I just wanted to try – to gauge how the fans are thinking. Yes, I did it right after the match, but I just wanted to get a feel if fans were really thinking that it was time to make a switch. So here's my poll, and I'll give you the results on Twitter and on Facebook. On Twitter, Max, and the poll was, should Fulham sack Claudio Ranieri now? Yes was at 87%. No was at 13%. 967 votes, Max. Before I go to the other poll, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a pretty substantial sample,
0: you know, for Twitter, and it's overwhelming. I think, yeah, it's 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 clear there's negativity around. So I don't think you're feeding into it. I think the best thing a poll will do is to measure it because a lot of times on Twitter, right, you have a lot of negative opinions. Yeah, and but those are just in tweets, and you don't know if that's just because everyone's really negative the negative people are just feeling the most empowered to actually go out there and tweet. Listen,
1: you, you and me are, are the two most positive yeah. <laughs>
0: people I know. Yeah. You know? And, and, and yeah, exactly.
1: I think, I think a poll
0: is really an ideal thing in my mind because a lot of people who might support Renieri but will, will feel uncomfortable speaking up amid the negative yeah. um, will feel comfortable just pressing no, don't sack him on a poll because that's anonymous and, and no one sees right. that they're saying that and they won't face pushback. So in my mind, that's re- the, doing a poll amid negativity is the best thing to do because it really measures, is this a false negativity, not just a couple of very loud voices, or is this sure. kind of a general feeling from people? Um, and, and it seems like it's the latter, that it's a really general feeling around the flow and fan base. You know, yeah. I, I don't know, this is not scientific, but I've not seen one person stand up for an area, honestly. And it's well, really because it's what he's done is well, pretty... I've infusible. had a
1: few, Max, and, and listen, to be honest with you, if they feel this way, and I've had someone that, feels very strongly that I shouldn't have done this poll. I I respect people that feel that I shouldn't have done this poll, but I just really, all I was doing was just trying to gauge where foam supporters were feeling. I wasn't trying to make a judgment on it. I was just putting it out there because I was just curious. And listen, we do a podcast. So I wanted to use something like that, a podcast to find out what fans are thinking. And a poll is a great way to do that. So that's all I did. Maybe my timing was, kind of rough cuz I did it right after the match but I've had a lot of votes way after the match and listen I've got another poll that I did on the coach talk facebook page and this is 789 votes and it was a little bit closer yes was at 70% and no was at 30% so 70% in this poll think that he should be sacked and of course the the twitter poll was even more max well, what are your thoughts on that yeah
0: Again, I think it serves to show that it's a general feeling of discontent among Fulham fans. And another piece of evidence, I'd say, to bolster that claim that people are really starting to turn against Ranieri is that, you know, let's not talk about social media. You know, people might say, oh, they're just people who are not actually Fulham supporters and they don't go to the matches. Well, let's right. go to the match, right? After the Shirley Sub, where we threw on Christie, down 2-0, switched to a back five, chasing a match. Are you kidding me? The fans at the cottage are chanting, you don't know what you're doing yep. And if that's not the clearest example of a fan base turning against a manager, then I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, I, I saw those uh, quotes from Ryan O'Donovan where he talks about that the fans were chanting that. And uh, <laughs> And, and yeah. is
0: so clueless that he thinks it was because they're unhappy that he was taking off Sherla. Not that they're unhappy that he's putting on Christie and switching to a back five. I mean, that just shows how out to, to of touch he is as well.
1: It's a hard one, man, because I keep going back to this. I'm not a coach. You're not a coach. We're just fans. And But I think after watching Fulham and the players for a long period of time, I think we know what the players can and can't do or have a good idea. And when you watch a manager put players on that, it just doesn't seem to be the right place to put a player on or the right skill set he shouldn't be playing in this position. It really irritates the fans of me, it, it irritates me. Cause it's like, I can see it. Why can't you see it? And I'm, you know, and, and I don't have, you know, the knowledge that Claudia Ranieri has, not at all. He, he is a brilliant coach. Why did, doesn't he see what we see, Max? I, I don't get it. Anyways, enough of enough of talking about that. Let's just get into this. Let's just talk briefly because I think this is where it all begins Let's talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Obviously, I don't have to say anything. I'm sure you're going to say you had a problem with this.
0: Yeah, you know. You, you, you know how it is. I mean, I think actually it was a back four to start, which yes, wasn't it the was. worst thing in the world. It was not the worst thing in the world. No. no, I had no problem with that. That was positive, actually, I'd say. But uh, I, I, I think whenever you play Dennis Adore as a right back, you're taking a big, big risk. Is it a bigger risk to play Steven Session? Probably. So I, I can't have too many complaints about I that. Think I think Dennis has I, shown himself
1: yeah. that he's better, believe it or not, at center back yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah, and and,
0: and and I think that's a really good opinion. That's not even controversial at all. You know, No. We've seen him. I mean, the, the best example in my mind, actually two examples, remember the West Ham match when Felipe Anderson just destroyed him? Yes. Um, that was almost a really similar situation when Anderson –
1: And Martial did
0: another number And Marcial, remember, ex- almost exact same wing. And the reverse fixture at Old Trafford, when you had Ashley Young, just destroy uh, Adoy for their first goal, I believe. That's so right. So it's not like this is a surprise that Ben struggles defending people one on one on the right on, in the right back position. So you know you go to that whatever. It's it's because we're on the players. That's fair. But what can Ranieri control? He can control who he plays in attacking positions. And again, it's very clear. You're playing Vieto and Sherla above Sassanian. I don't have anything else to say about that except that's just a misguided decision on so many levels. Okay. Um, and, you know, you have a center back pairing of Ream, uh and Lamarchand. That's just a mistake's waiting to happen, sadly. So, a lot of it, I think a lot of the criticism about Ranieri is fair. What, but one thing he can't control is how bad our defense is. He can't. But he's, not, but he's not helping himself <laughs> in, the, in the other departments. He's really not. Listen, if it was just the defense that was bad and he was playing Canyon Session and we are still losing matches, it's a different story you know because he really cannot control how badly we defend how much individual errors we make no,
1: but what he can that control happens
0: is to go with the up.
1: recruitment i mean yeah. that's
0: beyond yeah. his control yeah exactly but what he can control is, is i think the point that's what i'm trying to make is why i think he should be sacked yeah. everything in his control i think he's very much made worse in my mind
1: okay and listen it's fair criticism i was looking at it and thinking like you would back four? okay not feeling bad about that. I'm like, okay, good. He's gonna be positive. But as Emilio said, it really was almost like a front four. And against Manchester United, maybe that was even too aggressive at times. You know, again, when you have our fullbacks the way that they are, especially Dennis Atoi, just got abused in this match. It just it didn't work. And then you know your center back pairing is Tim Ream and Maxime Lamarch and like I said a mistake waiting to happen. It was going to end badly, and and it did. So I'm glad that you're sharing your thoughts on the uh, starting eleven and the in eighteen overall. And I was the one that actually said to Simon Peach, I was uh, talking to him about this, and you know, we were just talking about this upcoming match. And uh, you know, it's funny because Simon actually believes who he covers Manchester United, but formerly covered Fulham, that. Fulham aren't down yet. You know, he he was actually being a little bit positive. This is before the match. I I should reach out to him to see how he feels about after the match. But he felt that Fulham, you know, um, are not as uh, bad off as maybe we think. But, again, he's not watching it each and every week. And it's just – it's very interesting. But I'm glad that you mentioned Steven Sessignon because I have no issue with potentially throwing him in there even against Manchester United, I, I would have done it because I don't think he could have done any worse than Dennis Adoy. But he didn't go that route. And I thought if there was a time to do it with the issues that were having at right back, maybe he would do it. But he decided not to. So that's his choice. All right, my friend, let's get into this. Let's go to the first half. And as Emilio pointed out to me when we did full-time, I think we have to give credit to the approach at the beginning of the match with Full. Because they did come out strong, Max. I think you're going to back me up on that. I want to say for the first 10 minutes, they looked pretty good. And it keeps going back to this. You have a wonderful opportunity. I think, I feel like we say this almost each and every match. If he scores this, if this (laughs) player scores, the match is different. Tell me if you've heard that one before. Because I think we say it often here on Cottage Talk. Well, Luciano Vieto has an incredible opportunity in the first minute. Max, if he scores here, maybe it's a different match. But I'm here to tell you I don't think it is because I think Manchester United were really in first gear, and that's what I said on full-time. I still think we get hammered because I, I don't think they gave us everything that they could potentially give us. They didn't even play Marcus Rashford. They made several substitutions, and they were really just not going through the motions, but they could do whatever they wanted to. They were just waiting for Fulham to make a mistake. And whenever they did, they pounced. But you did have the opportunity early on from Vieto. And then you also had a shot by Sherwell in the fifth minute. But then we have to go to the 15th minute max. And the goal by Pogba, and let's just say, the shot by Pogba, excellent, wonderful goal. Could Sergio Rico have done better? The announcers certainly thought so, but if this also started with a mistake, Max. And again, this is what is driving me crazy. Every mistake, it seems, cost foam. And in this case, I think it cost them a goal in the 15th minute. Everything yeah, I, that they had yeah. done before that washed away. I actually probably counted four or
0: five mistakes in, in that pop goal. The first one, Lamar, Sean, just what is he doing? Dribbling out of the back with, with defenders on, in the middle? I mean... I mean, that's just defending one-on-one. First of all, you never dribble out the back if you have pressure, and you never do it up yep. the middle. It's, it was just, what is he thinking? There's no there's, there's just no explanation for that at all. Um, then the second mistake was Sarri just diving in. I think Sarri loves to do his little slide tackles. Yep. Very rarely I've ever seen him actually get the ball. You know, Either he gets a yellow, gets a booking for that, and just goes in way too rashly, or he just dives there, and then you saw, um, I think it was Herrera, just kind of skip over him. So that's the yep. second mistake. Um, then, so now we have a defensive midfielder and our center back out of the play. Chambers fails to realize that Pogba is behind him, doesn't track the run. Um, then, when the ball gets played uh, to Pogba on that kind of left position, Brian keeps him on side with a really poor defensive line. And when Pogba's through on goal, he puts it near post, and uh, Rico really should He doesn't even make an attempt to save it. He almost seems yeah. surprised he'd shoot from there. Which is a keeper, you always have to expect people are gonna shoot. You always have to be ready. And Rico just kind of flat footed and you know, I hate to say it, um, he should have done better on that strike. Is that goal his fault? No. A lot as I've said, a lot of mistakes led up to that position where Pog was throwing goal, but it was a really tight angle and and he didn't even make an attempt to save it.
1: It reminded me of the uh goal at the in the very first match. I was gonna say season. that. The schlup goal. Yeah, I was I was just about to say that I was like But that was Fabry. Is that unfair to make the comparison? And I was like, yeah. No, no. Right. Different goalkeeper. But I'm saying it it reminded me of that. Completely. You know, and and how the match changed after that goal. Right? Because things change. And this is the situation that's driving me crazy. 15 minutes into it, the match should not be over. Why are heads dropping? If you know what I mean, Max. They did not seem like the same team after that goal. They should be digging in and saying, We're going to get that goal back. We should be doing what we've been doing before the goal. But instead, that's not what we got. And then you have eight minutes later, Anthony Martial, who basically could have done whatever he wanted. He should have scored four or five goals. I'm kidding, but you know what I mean? He was that dangerous in this match. Martial, again, was just drawing full. In the 23rd minute. Again, Max. Talk about the goal because I think this is Fulham's undoing once again. I actually took a screenshot of the initial
0: positioning of the players yep. right when Mitrovic loses the ball. It's all the way up in, in our attacking third. Dennis Adoy is playing like a right-wing position, almost equal with the United back four. Like he's so far up on the right wing, it's ridiculous. Shirla gets sucked inside, and he's almost five yards away from Mitrovic in the center. And our entire right wing is exposed. Adoy has to chase back however many yards to get there. In the end, gets muscled off way too easily by Martial. Lamar, Jean barely tries to stop him. Just a little toe poke. Oh, man, A little French dainty little toe poke. Went and, right and by another, him. Another thing, I'm going to call it Serry here and Chambers because there's no, there's no defensive midfield cover. Yep. Where is it? And, and you actually watch Serry jog back. He, he sees a danger. He starts to sprint. Then he sees a doy come, and he stops sprinting and starts jogging, and from that point on makes no attempt to actually get back into the play. And it's yeah. these things like this when, I, when, when people say, well, Max, you're being too unfair on Sarri. I think to call him out for his fight and passion is wrong. I think he clear, clearly cares. This is my biggest problem with jean michel story is his defensive work rate. You can't be playing in a cloudy or system where you only have two center midfielders and not track back. And it's clear for everyone to see. He starts to sprint, and then he stops and he jogs. And when you're exposed and when your right wingers and your right back are horribly out of position, you need your center midfielder to come there and fight the fire to extinguish that danger. And when you've luxury players like Sarah, you don't want to track back, you don't want to put in that, that extra work, you're going to get exposed. And honestly, the defense is a, sh- is a shambles. But I'm going to go back to this point I made you know, a couple weeks ago. It's as much of the fault of the center midfield cover, the lack yep. of center midfield cover, that's contributing to our terrible defensive record.
1: It's a great point, Max, because, you know, it's funny. I think about this, and, you know, I love Kevin McDonald. Kevin McDonald isn't good enough for the Premier League, but and I think that Calvin Chambers is doing a good job, but they need a his type of leadership. You know, again, someone that can really just really get everyone together on the same page, make sure that everyone's doing their job. I think they're missing leadership, especially, you know, again, Central midfield, like I said, Calm Chambers is doing a good job, but they need to be doing the defensive part of their job as well. So I'm glad that you're talking about that. I'm talking about both because they need to be present to snuff out the danger. And uh, if you're going to be doing part of your job, you need to be doing all of your jobs. So I'm glad that you are talking about central midfield. All right. So let's go on a little bit the Fulham actually had, had an opportunity Late in the half, a shot by Callum Chambers. But the half ends down 2-0. So the second half begins. And there's a change in the second half, Max. You've written about this. So let's talk about this. Into the second half, you have Andre Shirley coming off and Cyrus Christie coming on. And film then go to a back five again. They go to three at the back. Thoughts about this? You were not happy with this move, I know. Yeah, it, it was just a—it was just a really counterproductive measure
0: because when you're two nil no down, you're chasing the match. Why do you, if you're going to be more attacking, be more attacking? Don't put on Cyrus Christie, who we know cannot attack for his life. So, and and after that, that substitution, I saw no change. Almost, yeah. I saw regression in the way we played. And when you you have three subs in a match, and you use your first sub to put on. Uh, I think one of, honestly, one of our worst players, no fault size, but he's one of our worst players. That's, that's just such questionable judgment, such questionable judgment. And you have to ask the manager, seriously, what are you thinking? You know?
1: Yeah. One thing I want to say about this, because uh, someone contacted me about this and um, we've talked about this on the show. Listen, you pay your money, you have a right to do whatever you want to do when you're there with, we- Legally, I mean, you could do what you want. You want to scream. You want to yell. That's, you're right. If you're asking me, if I was there, I would not be booing Cyrus Christie. That's just me. And I was told he was booed when he came on. Why are you booing him? It's not going to help the situation with Cyrus Christie. He's already under pressure. And now you're going to boo him? Max, maybe you disagree with me. I've never been one to boo my own players.
0: I'm 100% with you. I don't condone, no, one can ever condone that. That's just wrong. Um, I remember the, the Kamara thing when I was in the stadium for that, and they were doing him, and even though that was really extenuating circumstances, that's also 100% wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of productive. You might not like him, and, and I certainly don't, and I know a lot of fans don't, but at the end of the day, he's a full-on player. And when exactly. he steps on the pitch, you get behind him. You get behind the lads, no matter what you think of them. Because they're going to go out there, and they're going to try to win. They're not going to do it well. We know that. It's Fulham. But they're at least going to try. And that's the most important thing. And you cannot ever boo a player. Because once he steps on the pitch, he knows the fans have turned against him. And I can't right. even imagine what that does to someone's confidence who's already struggling to know that their own fans, their own fans, don't even like them.
1: Right. And listen, Cyrus Christie isn't good enough for the Premier League, okay? But Cyrus Christie is out there trying. doesn't want to play bad. Dennis Adoy gives you everything that he can. He's not Premier League quality. Seriously, he just isn't. Tim Ream, love Tim Ream, going through the, the defense again. They want to do well. So what does Boeing? and this is just talking just about the situation, that to me can make the situation worse. Because if I was being booed, I was coming on, it would be difficult, I think, for me to – just do my job because I'd be worried about making every mistake. You might not think that he's good enough and you could be right about that, but give the guy a chance to try to prove you wrong. Booing him. I, I, I don't get that. Anyways, let's move on my friend. And let's now go and let's talk about the penalty in the second half of obviously the moment that puts the match away. It's two nil. And, and I, at this point I still thought it would be difficult for Fulham to even score a goal. But unfortunately the penalty that Manchester United score with Pogba makes score 3-0 and matches over. But what did you make of the penalty?
0: I mean what what on earth? What on earth is that is that from Lamar Sean? I mean he's chasing him, he's chasing him, and then he releases the ball and then that's when you put in the challenge and it's like the wrong side just bundle into him. It was so clumsy that I almost thought, you know, you know, surely this accident actually happened. I thought my eyes were deceiving me because it just was such a schoolboy error. And that's what the announcers kept saying, and they were completely right. It was just a litany of disgraceful, inexcusable errors. Um, and we've come, we've become accustomed to that. Sadly, that you know, when it happened, they pointed to the penalty spot. It was just, it was just a farce. You know, you didn't even feel angry. I almost like laughed because it was, it was, so, it was so embarrassing how we're defending. Um, and the penalty itself, you know, Rico actually got, dives the right way second week in a row. He's dived the right way, but, you know, can't quite seem to save it. And it was very well struck by Pogba, fair play to him. He shortened right. up his long run up just for us. So that was nice. Um, but, yeah, it was the third goal. Once that, That's just such a nail in the coffin. And it was the worst thing because there's still 25 minutes to play. Know. And you know, the, the announcers referenced the Villa come back against Sheffield United yeah, on Friday night. And I'm thinking, you know, that's the championship for you. Those things don't happen in the Premier League.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting, Matt, I'm going to share with you, a, uh, a couple of opportunities for Fulham in the 73rd minute. You have the header from Mitro. And what's interesting is that you probably heard this too. The announcers were saying, oh, it was an easy save by De Gea. I'm like, no, I don't think it was that easy of a save. I thought that was a good opportunity from Mitro. I, I disagree with the commentary about that opportunity for Fulham. And then in the 76th minute, again, this just shows things aren't going your way. Ryan Babel hits the post Ugh. and he should have scored there. But at that point, Max, it's 3-0. I mean, what else is really going to come from it? You're playing for pride. You you know, you're, you're looking to try to make it better. And uh, unfortunately, they couldn't score. And And oh, by the way, I also want to mention that during the second half, you have Ryan Session Young coming on and also Tom Kearney. But the fact that they both came on fairly late just shows you how the manager feels about both of these players because at the times that they came on, the match was over,
0: right? match was over. That's almost that's almost you know an insult to me for them. You bring on players you don't really care about once you know it's 3-0 down and it's done. Only then did you bring on your two most influential substitutes when the match are done and dusted 15 minutes ago. I mean, that's just, that's, that's that's not how you treat players. It's not just, it's not, that's not even smart management. You wait until the match is over to bring on Seth and Carey, really? That, that was honestly thing mean, that keeps bothering me, you know, a day later, is that yeah. blatant disregard for what the players mean to Fulham. But also, it's not even about what they mean to the fans. These are two players who could offer so much to the current squad, and they're just right. being frozen out.
1: It's crazy. Tom Kearney comes on in the 77th minute. Ryan Session comes on in the 81st minute. Max, the penalty from Pogba, their third goal, comes in the 65th minute. So I generally and usually think about the 60 65th minute is usually other substitutions happen with 30 minutes to go or 25 minutes to go. And these two substitutions both came after the fact when the match is pretty much over at that point, it's really like you said, why, why do it at that point? You know, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, it, there was an opportunity earlier on to do it, but you did it late to two players that were both influential in Fulham getting into the premier league. Oh, by the way, they both were involved in the goal that put Fulham in the premier league. Okay. So, yeah, that's, it's that's, hard that's to watch great. this.
0: Yeah, that, that's sad. You know,
1: I mean, people seem to forget that both of the players that have been, in my opinion, singled out from Claudio Ranieri were involved in the goal that I watched, you watched, that beat Aston Villa, and they're both, for whatever reason, in the doghouse with Claudio Ranieri, as we would say over here.
0: Just, yeah. I mean, I don't have anything to say on this anymore. I cannot believe no. it. It's so, I mean, and listen, I think it would be a different story if this was a fan favorite of ours, we kind of knew wasn't up to the Premier League standard, right? Then it's more of a situation where it's more of nostalgia than actual, you know, real game implications. But the fact of the matter is, this is, this is real. These players could help us in real time. Kenny I was part think of that. Tom like
1: Kearney that. can. I, so I've, I've been going back movie. and yeah. forth. as a Premier League quality. I think that if you use him the right way, he is.
0: Exactly, exactly. If you put him out
1: in the wing, he's probably League One quality.
0: He doesn't (laughs) play there. That's just not he is. And it's not rocket science to realize that. And for some reason, Wayne just does not seem to be center midfielder. He gave his reasons. He says he doesn't fight back. Well, you know what, Claudio? Do you think Jean-Michel Sarri really fights back? Did you watch the tape of that second goal of him jogging back when Martial just glides the goal? I mean, listen, I'm not saying Canyon's going to do any better, but he certainly can't do worse than that.
1: Okay, very good, Max. All right, the match ends 3-0 and a very disappointing loss for Fulham, but let's now look at the full-time stats, get your thoughts on it, and the first one jumps out. Fulham had more possession than Manchester United, 51% to 49%, but I think some of this has to do with the fact that Manchester United were just sitting back in the second half just waiting for Fulham to make a mistake, which they ended up doing. Total shots, 15 a piece both teams had 15 shots on target Manchester United have more 7 to 3 corners 5 to 4 in favor of Fulham crosses 22 to 19 in favor of Fulham let's look at attempted passes 503 to 483 in favor of Fulham passing accuracy 77% for Fulham 78% for Manchester United fouls 14 for Fulham and 9 for Manchester United All right, my friend, what stands out to you from the full-time stats? You know, they're they're not that
0: bad. We possessed the ball well. We passed well. But it honestly tells a false story because I can't remember any really threatening areas of the match when those were attacking possession. Yeah. I think that shows United were kind of content to let us play because they knew we posed no threat, which is almost worse than having a low passing accuracy. You know, they're like, listen, little old Fulham can pass on all they want. They're never going to trouble us. And that's Phil Jones and Chris Smalling we're talking about.
1: And that's what irritates me, Max. I'm glad that you brought that up because I I believe I uh, contacted a friend of mine. I know I did, I should say. And I thought that this was an opportunity. Their center backs, I thought, were there for the taking with with Mitrovic. I really did. I I thought that he would be able to bully them. But the problem was they didn't get him involved enough. And they didn't trouble Manchester United. And that's what the possession stat says to me. And that's the one that stands out. 51% 51% to 49 looks good, but you have to ask yourself, the 51%, what did they do with it? And they did very little with it, and part of that was by design for Manchester United because they knew that Fulham couldn't hurt them, and they were just waiting for the mistakes, and the mistakes came. All right, my friend. Man of the match. I normally don't give a man of the match when Fulham lose, like I mentioned. I gave it to the Fulham supporters, which you can actually see in the Daily Mail, because I thought they were loud, proud, and they let themselves be heard. So they certainly played their part. Unfortunately, Claudio Ranieri and the players didn't play theirs enough to get anything for Fulham Football Club. So I give it to the Fulham supporters. But let's end with talking about Claudio one more time. I know this is probably going to come off as a Claudio bashing session, but Honestly, I think he deserves it a little bit. Give me a rating for Claudio Ranieri. I'd probably say one. One after that. Yeah. Just low. Just low. Okay. I'm going to do like uh, Giannis. I'm going to say zero because (laughs) I've seen nothing. The only reason I might give a one like like you did is that I did like the approach to play a flat back four. So maybe I would do that. But no, I'm going to give him a zero. Okay. Very good there, my friend. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you,
0: Ross. I mean, you know, a lot of losses, but again, as I, as I always say, the best part has to be the podcast because that's where you get <laughs> your frustrations out. And it's also important to, to let people know that, you know, we're optimists here and everyone knows that. And when even yeah. we start to question Renieri very seriously, that's when, you know, it's not just negative and Nelly's going out there and being just negative for the sake of being negative. It's actually people who, like to be positive or probably positive to a fault sometimes, I would say, in my, yep. in, in my eyes, for me. And when we're saying Ranieri has to go, I think that's it shows he's really made a very big mistake in the eyes of a fans.
1: Right. And that's telling because you and I really are glass half full <laughs> people. And for us to talk about Claudio Ranieri, especially me, because I did not want to do this. I did not want to say change the manager because… I think that just shows that you really have problems because then you go back to the Felix McGough three manager situation. But in this case, I th- I think it's warranted. And, uh, you know, again, to fans that were not happy with me for doing a poll, I understand it. I respect your view. I was just trying to do it just to gauge the fans. And and I hope you don't take offense by me trying to do a poll to un- understand how fans were feeling that's all I was trying to do I wasn't trying to you know edge on the uh, people that are very negative right now I was just trying to get a feel for how fans are feeling that's really the reason okay great show my friend but we do have to wrap this up for my co-host Max Cohen from the boot room my name is Russ Coleman thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk it's the 90th minute